0: Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I'm thrilled to be joined on this episode by uh, Fletcher Nelson. Fletcher, how are you, bud? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Uh, I my uh, younger sister got married on Saturday, and we're recording this on a Monday, so I'm kind of finally getting myself back into the swing of things after four, you know, three and a half or four days of all the wedding stuff. But that was a ton of fun, so I'm doing well, man. So yeah, we connected through Instagram and just been following you. And I love the the enthusiasm, the energy you brought. So I really appreciate you taking some time to come on the podcast with us.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely! I'm excited to do it.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, to get it started, you know what what we really want to do is you know just be a platform for teachers to tell their stories, and we hope that in those stories they can inspire other teachers and and give them some things that can add value to their. To their teaching craft. So, could you just, you know, give us a little bit of your backstory on, on how and kind of why you became a teacher in the first place?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I know a lot of people always say, "Oh, I knew from when I was in elementary school I wanted to be a teacher," but that was not the case for me. um Early on in high school, I was all about the money. Like, I thought I wanted to be an anesthesiologist, and then one day I realized I can't even spell that, so I'm like, I might need to think of something else. Um, and then I kind of went on, like, oh, business. Everyone's like, if you go for business, that opens so many doors. So I was kind of set on business. And then my senior year of high school came, and I was trying to take two study halls. And my uh, school counselor was like, Fletcher, you, cannot, you do not need two study halls. Um, so you can go over to the elementary, and you can help out in one of the teacher's classrooms for an hour a day. So I decided to do that with one of my friend's moms. So she taught fourth grade. So I'd go over there um, every day for half the year. And... That's when I decided I wanted to be a teacher. I'd go over there, and, like, every day the kids were just so excited to see you. And, you know, I wouldn't do a whole lot, just kind of if she needed any help getting things ready or I could do, like, a little bit of small group or reading with kids. But it was just always so much fun, and there's so much energy. And if I was in a bad mood, going over there just put me in a good mood. So that's when I kind of started thinking about, hey, maybe I should do this as a job. Maybe I should go to school and be a teacher.
0: Nice. And and you went to... To North Dakota or North Dakota State?
1: I ended up going to North Dakota State. Right.
0: Right. And is that is that's the is that the famous football school?
1: It like, is. Yep. Dang. I've I've traveled down to Frisco, Texas for four of the national championships, so Wow. Man, that's yep.
0: it's crazy. I mean, and all the guys now are, you know, making it big in the NFL, so yeah, we're just waiting for them to, to go full division one. I. I don't it doesn't seem like they're they're looking to do that though.
1: No, not really, but I mean it's been it's been fun watching through the process. I mean they definitely have something going here though. So is it is it as loud in that in that dome as everybody says it is? It really is. I mean I haven't been to an actual game now in a few years. Um, after I graduated it became more and more difficult to get student tickets and most right. of the games sell out within minutes. Um, but yeah, it gets loud in there. Perfect.
0: Perfect. All right. So could you now tell us, um, who was your favorite teacher and, and why was that person your favorite teacher?
1: I had some pretty amazing teachers growing up. Um, it's a tough question, but, um, one that just kind of sticks out in my mind was my fourth grade teacher. Her name was Mrs. Brown. And I just remember I was always excited to go to school. And I remember we did a lot of hands-on things for science I remember we had hermit crabs for one of our units. I honestly have no idea what we did with them. I just remember we had hermit crabs, and then at the end there was a raffle that you could potentially win one. And I remember that I ended up getting one of the last ones and got to bring home one of the hermit crabs, so I was just pumped. And then I, I, just, I still remember like the perimeter and the area song or long division songs that she had, and those are just stuck with me. So I would say Mrs. Brown was probably one of my favorite teachers.
0: Nice. Nice. And um, this is a question we ask just because we like to have a little fun with people. So if, as a teacher, if you were a superhero or had a superpower, which one would you be? You know,
1: I think I would have to, I think, is it like Xavier from X-Men? The one who can like read minds and mind control? Yep. Charles Xavier. Yep. Just today we were at um, the fifth grade. We got to go watch their graduation. So their rehearsals so they're singing and the band's playing and you know the typical teacher you're sitting on the one end and you're watching your kids at the other end and you know whispering in between songs and this and that and you're just like wish you could just without having to do anything or get up just control what they're doing and you know you get the teacher stare and they turn and make eye contact and they stop but how yeah. cool would it be if you could just control what they're doing right away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a, uh, some other people have said that same thing too. And they say that, they, you know, they'd love to be able to, you know, not, not just control, but like really understand what's going on with people, you know, cause there's so much that goes on with our kids that we don't know about that. They never tell us So to really be able oh, to sure. then, to then see what's going on with them and, and where they're at would be really good. So, so that's many answer. of
1: those struggles at home too, just to know, you know, what actually is happening there. And, Right. Probably would explain a lot right. of the behavior problems then too, so yeah.
0: Right, and and you're you're teaching in Detroit Lakes, you said, as well, or you just live in Detroit Lakes? No, but I teach here as well. So how, how big of a school are we talking there in Detroit Lakes?
1: Um, our school, so there's two yeah. elementaries here. Uh, the elementary school I work at is about just over 600 kids. Um, so there's about 100 kids per grade level. Right,
0: right, nice. Awesome, all right, so then kind of to get into the to the meat of the conversation, what would you say is the state of education in America right now?
1: You know, so, I, I mean, there's a lot going on. You look at, like, whenever you watch the news, you see those states that are doing the walkouts, like West Virginia and Oklahoma, Arizona. Um, so, I mean, I think it definitely needs attention. I think, you know, teachers are oftentimes way underpaid, underappreciated. Um, I don't think people really realize the amount of, hours teachers put in they just see oh you work you know eight to three and then you have summers off and you know that that's not the case at all so I just think that it, teachers just need to be need more respect and we just need yeah I mean I think we just need to be focusing more on you know what can we do for our kids and less focus on all this testing and think about what could we actually be doing to make sure our kids are ready for the future and our you know decent human beings going into the real world
0: right on right on so do you have an educational philosophy or kind of a a mantra that you hold try to hold to in your classroom
1: you know i just my philosophy is just kind of if i'm not having fun teaching then my kids aren't having fun learning um i just want to do whatever i can to make school a place where my students actually want to be and not somewhere where they have to be so i try to make it as fun as engaging as possible so that way i mean if i'm having fun then most of them are probably going to be having fun as well.
0: And do you find that there's, you know, a cor- a correlation between that, you know, the the fun and the learning? Cuz obviously, you know, it it's all good when we all want to try to be fun, but I mean, are there times where your kids understand that it's, you know, like hey, we we have fun, but there's times to to lock down and actually do the work?
1: For sure. And I try to make it a mix too. I mean, like um try to make sure, you know, the, the rigor of the contents there, especially with math. I mean, that I think is the subject that usually kids tend to find boring. So I've tried to make it as engaging as possible, but you know, we do, they realize, Hey, if, you know, we are doing work here and it's not just here to play the game We're you know, we're here to learn and we're here to get better at whatever the concept of the content we're working on is that weekend. So it's a, it's a, it's definitely a good balance between the two. We can't just, you're right. It just can't be all fun and games. It's, the learning has to be there as well
0: right and do you think that that sometimes there's a misconception there because you know i teach high school and i think we even still struggle with our high schoolers to be like hey you know we want to have fun we want to be exciting we want to do those things but you know we we struggle sometimes with kids that just don't know when the right time to turn the fun off because like like you said it school's about the work as well so Do you you find that troubling or is it usually pretty smooth when you want your kids to kind of lock in?
1: Um, Well, I think as we get further into the year, they get more used to the way that I do teach because it's, I mean, it's very different than from what they've had, especially um, being third grade. You know, they've only had a a few teachers. So we don't do a lot of, you know, the worksheets and stuff. I try to make it more like center activities and games. And at the beginning, there's times, you know, when I have to, kind of bring them back, but I try to set, go through and set clear expectations on, you know, how we're going to be doing this, what's acceptable, what's not, and we refer back to those, and, you know, towards the end of the year here gets tough, you know, they're ready for summer, the teachers are ready for summer, so we've been doing more going back and talking about those expectations and kind of how, you know, being able to do, learn in this way is a privilege, and it's, you know, if, we, if they can't handle it, we could go back to, you know, here's a here's a lesson, here's a workbook page, but I don't want to do that, so I don't want them to have to do that. So I think just having that conversation with them, too, kind of keeps in their mind, like, hey, if we want to keep doing the fun stuff to be learning, then we got to be, make sure we're handling it the correct way as well.
0: Right on. So, so then what are some of those procedures, routines, things like that, that you use in your, in your classroom that, that help you kind of allow or that allow you to have fun, but also to, you know, that your kids, you know, work up to your high expectations.
1: Honestly, one of the best things I've done is purchased a wireless doorbell off of Amazon for like 15 bucks. Um, so when I do a lot of my stuff, the centers, I'm meeting with a group and then they're out, the rest of them are out doing activity. It could be something on like an iPad or Chromebook. It could be a hands-on game. And, So it gets tough, you know, if they're out there working and I'm trying to meet with the group, obviously I want them talking about what they're doing, but the voice level gets tough. And I didn't like having to keep stopping, like, hey guys, you're getting too loud. So now that I have this wireless doorbell, I can just click it a couple times and it'll beep and they know, hey, that's our warning, we're being too loud. If it keeps up, then we're going to have to stop. So just being able to do that from sitting wherever I am in the room, give it a couple clicks and that's their signal right there.
0: Wow, that's I've seen some people on Instagram that have that, and I was kind of wondering what they use it for. But that's a really that's a really interesting way to to kind of keep them in check and for you to stay engaged with um, with what you're doing. And sort of along that that vein, you know, you teach third grade, so what is the importance of you know keeping them in those consistent routines and you know with things like the doorbell? How how long does it take for you to really get them? to understand, you know, the routine so that way they don't have to constantly think about it, that it, it's just the automatic.
1: So this is actually my first year teaching third grade. I was fifth grade up until this year. Um, so it was really dif- different for me at the beginning. You know, I at first day of school, I'm like, man, these are basically second graders. I mean, they came in, they were just not as independent as my fifth graders had always been. Uh, and, and, you know, routines are always important, but I just found they were even more important with the third grade. And I, can be com- completely honest, did not have it planned out as well as I needed to, just since I didn't, coming in, didn't know what to expect. Um, so I kind of didn't know what I wanted. So we kind of did some adjusting, you know, to see how things went, have to switch it up this way, that way. But I'd say, you know, after we had them established, we were ready to rock by, you know, mid-October, beginning of November. And it was just one of those things where, you know, after Christmas break, we came back and we reviewed them. And it's, you know, once they have them down, it's there's gonna be days when it works well, and there's still gonna be days that they, you know, come in or you know are off full moon days. You never know. Right. Um, so, I mean, we we, and we just we review those expectations. It's not like they just have them perfect the rest of the year. After that, we definitely take time to go through and talk about them, especially if there's a couple of days where we have a couple of off days in a row.
0: Right. And um, what. What precipitated your change from fifth grade to
1: third grade? So last year, this is my second year in Detroit Lakes. And when I got hired here, they were adding um, that class, current class in fifth grade was just so big, they needed five sections of it. So when I got hired, I knew that it was probably just a one year job there at that school in fifth grade. And then it was like, you know, if you're doing what you're supposed to, you'll, you'll have a job in the district, probably, hopefully at like the same school. And then it just worked out pretty well that I moved to third grade, so I got to stay at the same school. I actually got to keep my same classroom and now it's not an added on position. So um, it'll be I'll be here for the I'll be there next year again too. So it'll be nice right. being in third grade now.
0: Right. And and what do you notice are some of the biggest, you know, challenges of you know having the third graders instead of the fifth graders?
1: Um, I just look back, especially the beginning of the year, just like multi-step directions or, um, you know, I still remember because we don't, I don't have desks. Um, so they have, you know, their book box where they keep stuff and then they have a drawer. And I just had said, you know, put everything that you can fit into your drawer. And then if there's something that doesn't fit, you can keep it in your book box. And my fifth graders would have been, Oh, perfect. I'm going to go put my stuff away. No, no big deal. I had all of them coming up. Uh where should I put my markers? Uh where where do my scissors go? And I was just I was like, well, do they fit in your drawer? If they do, then put them there. If not, then your book box. So, I just found out they really needed it laid out more. Like, hey, you're going to put this here, this here, this here, and then after that, you'll do this.
0: Right, right. So then you know on on that same line you know say teaching third grade and granted like my my i taught sixth grade at the lowest and now i have seniors so i've kind of run the gamut of a little bit older kids but what's the importance of organization in your classroom and how does how does that help your routines out
1: um i think just having the organization down just helps things transition more smoothly um we try to take time to clean out our stuff and stay as organized as possible because otherwise you just waste so much time of, oh, I can't find this or them digging through all their stuff. And, um, you know, when they know where their things are and they can access it easily, it just makes everything, I mean, it's just something less to think about. They just go get it. They come back. You're not having to worry about it. You're not having to take time to go help them find it. It just makes the rest of the day just run smoothly.
0: Right. And and did you find, you know, prior to getting into an elementary classroom that um, that you were good at organization? Because from the start of me being a teacher, like organization is one of the things I've struggled with. And I think it was when I first started, you know, people told me, well, collect as many resources as you can and have as much stuff available to as you can. And yeah, I felt like my rooms were just bursting at the seams with stuff. And it, I just got to a point where I I couldn't keep track of all of it. And I, and I really noticed that once my room, you know, my stuff kind of overflowed and got disorganized, then it, you know, then it kind of implicitly tells the kids that, you know, it's not very important for them to be organized. So, so what other tips would you give, you know, a teacher, maybe like myself who, who struggles to keep things organized?
1: I'm not going to lie. I, organization's an area I need to improve on too. Um, Last year when I was fifth grade, I had two girls who were just, they pretty much kept me organized. And I'm like, what am I going to do when you guys aren't here next year? So uh, that's been one of the areas I've worked on the most is to improve that. So I, I think one of the biggest things is, like you said, you come in and people say keep all these resources. Well, I came into this classroom and I had all this third grade stuff and I kind of just put it away. try to keep, I'm like, I don't even know what it is. So I think up front, you just need to take the time to go through if you're given resources or if something's left in the room, and don't be afraid to get rid of stuff. Like, I was going through folders, and I was finding tests from, like, 2012, and if I had not looked, I would have just kept all these big files, these big binders, and it's taken up, like, the limited space in my classroom if I don't have any built-in cabinets. So I'm glad that I finally did take the time to go through and just chuck some stuff that I didn't need. I mean, the less you have is better because, I mean, at least then you know what you have and you know it's going to be something you use.
0: Did you, going into third grade, did you find yourself, like, using a lot of what was given to you in terms of resources and plans or have you been making up kind of doing your own thing as you've gone?
1: I've kind of been doing my own thing as um, as I've gone. Um, honestly, like, the rest of my third grade team has been awesome because during our meet every Wednesday and kind of would start, at, you know, hey, this is what we should try to get done. I mean, we don't all do the exact same thing, but we kind of plan out together so we're covering the same standards and the same content. And then if we do something cool like, oh, hey, I tried this, you should check it out or we'll leave copies in each other's mailboxes too of stuff that worked well in our classroom. So, I mean, I don't, I didn't really use the plans that were left or anything. It's kind of been going and trying stuff out and figuring out, you know, what works, what the kids like and what I like.
0: And has it, have you noticed that you know, the kids, are, I guess uh, the question I'm trying to ask is, how do you realize, what lets you know that a lesson you're doing or whatever, that the kids are really into
1: it? I think you can tell just by their body language. Um, if they're, you know, sitting up and paying like eye contact, if they're there, then it's like, okay, I have them today. If they're, you know, staring off the ceiling or looking around or even kind of like little behavior issues start coming out if they're bored, like poking the person next to them or, you know, having to try to stab someone, not stab someone, you know, jab someone with a pencil. Just those type of little behaviors, I think, kind of start to come out if they're not engaged in what's going on.
0: Right. And, and do you notice that certain, like, you know, types of lessons or certain content areas are better than others?
1: Um, yeah, definitely. I think anytime I can do anything hands-on, they are just, they love it. Um. But I mean, like, it's tough to do all the time. It's, you know, a lot of planning, a lot of resources and materials, and there's some content areas where it's just tough to make it hands-on. Right. So when they're actually going to get their hands-on and build or create something, those are the lessons where they're the most engaged.
0: Right. And are you are you a self-contained third-grade teacher, or do you... Or do they go out for certain classes? Uh,
1: self-contained, so I have them all day. Nice,
0: nice. So you're so you're teaching them English, math, science, social studies. You're teaching them all of it.
1: Yep, you got it.
0: And how? I mean, is it difficult to to plan for those four different things? I mean, how did, how does your schedule work? Because I've never been in an elementary classroom, so I'm kind of trying to understand what that day what a day like that is like.
1: Yeah, um, for sure. So for the most part. Um, we try to get our reading and our math, both those core lessons in before um, lunch. So we they come in and we do our reading first and then they head to music and gym. And then when they come back, we keep going um, with our reading. And now this year didn't really work out to get our core math in in the morning. So right when they get back from recess, then that's when we start doing our core math lessons. So those two things are kind of the first just to make sure those get there. And then... The way we kind of have it set up is we kind of alternate between like months, like one month we'll be focusing on our science unit and then the next month will be social studies. We have to kind of alternate it because otherwise it turns into about, you know, 20 minutes for each one and that's just not enough time to even get anything started.
0: Right. Right. Nice. All right. So at your school, what would you say is kind of the ratio to, of male teachers to female teachers?
1: You know, I honestly, I think we have more male teachers than is common for most schools. Um, So we have, for classroom teachers, there are um, five male teachers. So there's another male on the third grade team with me. We have one in fourth, and then there's two male teachers in fifth. So then there's about, you know, um, probably 23-ish female teachers, so about five male to 23 female classroom teachers. Right, right. I guess so then my question is, I mean,
0: what is... What is that dynamic like? Because um, I, I guess you, you kind of got the gist of the question that, especially in the elementary, you know, it's, it's predominantly women. So what's the dynamic like of, you know, working, you know, with so many female teachers as well as, you know, the dynamic of how you're received by kids? Because I've, I've heard stories that kids don't necessarily respond well to the male teachers because they've never really had any.
1: See, and I would almost say it's kind of, can be kind of opposite. I think that so many of them, I mean, third grade's the first year at our school that they could potentially have a male teacher. So, you know, you hear them in the hallways and they're like, oh, I want Mr. Nelson or I want Mr. Whitey next year. And it's just because it's something they haven't had. And um, so when they come in, I think a lot of them almost respond better just because it is so different and they're almost so excited for it. And as far as, like, the relationship, or relationship dynamic, I feel it's more, I don't want, like, I mean, kind of, like, playful. Like, I, when we go outside at the beginning of the year, like, I'm big into, you know, I'll join their game of tag and I'll play basketball and kickball and four square. And so I think those types of relationships then kind of lead back in the classroom. They're saying, like, oh, hey, he'll take the time to actually do that type of stuff with us. So then they respond, you know, pretty well to directions and – Um. You know just they listen better than in the classroom because of those relationships that were built right
0: right and and do you notice like I guess it's maybe more towards the middle school into high school, you know where you have the dynamic of of the relationships between um girls and boys as they change, but you know what do you see kind of as you know that male kind of role model that that figure? You know what is your responsibility to, to you know to teach the boys especially the you know the the right and wrong ways to act at school.
1: You know, and I think there's so many kids too who, you know, we talked a little bit earlier like family situations, and there's a lot of kids who don't, you know, might not have a dad or a father in their life. So, um, I I just think it's you know I, you know, it goes back to the old saying you know treat others like you want to be treated. So I try to model that as much as possible and make sure I'm being a good role model and respecting them and in return, they should respect me. I mean, we, like we have fun. And like, I've even talked to them too. Like I'm a very sarcastic and I can joke around with people, but I've told them like there's people who I can joke with and there's people who I know I can't. It's kind of, I've tried to have them learn from that. Like, Hey, if it's your close friend, you know what you guys can joke around with, but if it's someone you're not that close with, and you try to make a joke with them or at them, then they're going to take that personally, and it's going to hurt them. So there's a fine line, and you got to be aware of what you're saying and, more importantly, who you're saying it to.
0: Yeah, do you you notice that there's a, I guess, a a problem, you know, with that? Because, you know, that's a problem that we have in the high school I work at to where, you know, in the world today, everybody's just got so much access and can say pretty much whatever they want, whenever they want but i just have a a lot of problems with kids who just say whatever they want to anybody because they feel like they can they feel like it's their right even though like you said it's it's you know they're maybe saying things to people that they shouldn't be so do you deal with that a lot where you know kids are just saying whatever they want to whomever they want N-
1: not a whole lot um i mean in third grade they're still you can kind of see like the kind of like the clicks and the friend groups starting to form. But for the most part, they all get along pretty well together. You know, there's just some students who are more sensitive and take things more personally and, or who, you know, might new students who come in and it's like at that point, that's kind of when I the conversation. Like, you know that if you say something like that to them, how they're going to react. So that means it's not okay. Like even if you are joking or you're trying to, you know, be funny, it's, it's how they're going to take it and how they're going to feel after you say it. So um, we we we've, we've definitely have talked about it but I wouldn't say it's been like a big problem
0: right alright so you know kind of just to continue on that and kind of put a bow on on this part of the conversation so you've talked a lot about the relationships with your kids so so what are you know, what's the importance really for you of building good relationships with your kids and, and what are some of the tips that you would give other teachers for how they can build stronger relationships as well
1: Uh. To me, building relationships with students is honestly the most important thing you'll do all year. Um, I think it sets the stage and the tone for the rest of the school year. Uh, after you've taken the time to build those positive relationships, I personally think you see less behavior problems, and I think the kids will work harder for you, too. Um, I was watching a TED Talk. I forgot. Rita.
0: Rita think, Pearson.
1: Yeah, who's saying, you know, kids don't learn from people they don't like. And right. that just kind of stuck with me. And, but I think then some people th- – I mean, it's, you're, you don't, they don't learn from people they don't like, but it's not saying you're being friends with the kids. So you've got to have that professional boundary there. Um, so for me, I just – I take time, like I said, at the beginning of the year, and when we go outside, I, I, I play kickball with them. I play tag, lightning, foursquare. I take the time to do those things with them, and then in return, then we get back in their room. I expect a lot out of them, and since they've seen me, hey, when we go outside – He'll do this with us. Then they kind of respect you more, and we'll follow through with that. Um, and same, th- I mean, I've taken time to go to my students' games outside of school and just kind of just show them, like, hey, I do care, and I want you to do the best you can do. And that just that I've taken an interest in their lives. So I, I want to really get to know my kids. And then in return, I also want them to get to know me. So I take time to share share stories about my life and what I do on the weekend and, um, you know, what I'm interested in just so that that way they kind of feel like they actually know who I am and I'm not, I'm not just this guy who's there teaching them all day who they know nothing about other than what they see at school.
0: Right. Right on. And that's a, you know, and that's a, you know, the most common answer we get when we ask this question always is, you know, what's, what's the importance and, you know, it's everything, no matter whether you're teaching third grade or, you know, seniors and juniors like I am, I think that's super important. So to kind of try to wrap it up here, be respectful of your time. Um, what is, and this can be inside of teaching or outside of teaching, what are you most passionate about right now?
1: Um, right now I'd say I'm most pass- passionate just about increasing my students' choice. Like I just want them to have as much opportunity through the day to make choices. Um, so I mean, I try to give them choices for like a numerous things. Um, third grade, they're really starting to become like more responsible and getting more independence. So like we have flexible seating, so I like to make give them the choice, you know, where you're going to sit. But then they know, hey, if there's a consequence if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to, then I'm going to get moved. We do something called morning choice. So right when they come in from recess, there's different choices they can make on how they what they want to do for the first 15 minutes of the day while I'm doing lunch count and um, attendance and checking with kids and you know, even just as far as choosing what books they want to read. So I'm just trying to give them as many opportunities in school to make positive choices and also, you know, um, helping them realize that if you do make the wrong choice, that there's going to be consequences attached to that too. So hopefully those being able to make more choices in school will kind of carry over to as they get older and into the real world and continue to help them, you know, make the right choice.
0: Right, and could you describe? Because I know a, a lot of people are talking. And flexible seating is, is you know, kind of a hot topic, and it's going on a lot. So, what are some examples of the flexible seating that you use?
1: Yeah, so I have um, some stability balls, so like the yoga ball chairs. Um, I have a tall table, and I just have some different like tall stools that my mom has found at garage sales. I have a table that I just took the legs off of, and there's some pillows around it, and then I just have some. Um, wobble stools and a few just office chairs that are on wheels and kind of have some swivel action to them as well. So you don't so you don't have any student
0: desks in your room. No. And and do you have, you know, really problems with kids, you know, not doing what they're supposed to because they get the different seating option?
1: You know, it it definitely does happen. Um and at that's at the beginning of the year I kind of I take time like where they start with an assigned spot kind of, I call it like their start spot and they kind of switch through and try each of the options just to figure out, you know, maybe I'm really not focused if when I sit on the ball chairs, maybe there's more too much of a distraction. Um, so I'm, I don't even remember how long we kind of went the beginning of the school year, but they had assigned spots and then they were free to move to tables where kids weren't sitting too. And they were always free to work on the floor. So um, I kind of introduced it gradually. And then probably about November, I let them having free choice, you know, you can choose wherever you want. So I think taking the time to go through like the expectations, giving them times to explore the options before they just were responsible for making their choice, I think that really helped them. Because, I mean, now it's kind of the point where maybe once a week I have to hey, be like, hey, you should probably go choose a new spot because you're not working, or just having to move them. But for the most part, they do great and make good choices on where they're going to work. Perfect. Perfect.
0: All right, and this also can be one where uh, you can be within teaching or without. Um, What's the best advice you've been given, and who was that person that gave it to you?
1: Um, Actually, so this would go back to high school, and it would be – I still remember this, and I don't know why. So one of my friends, her name's Catherine Mullen, she had just a quote that was written on her notebook, and it said something about how, you know, when I grow up, I want to be happy. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, I used to just be focused on, hey, I want to just do a job where I'm going to make a lot of money. And then as I got further into high school, I just remember reading that quote on her notebook and like, you know, it's not really about the money. It's about being happy. So whatever I do, whatever the choices I'm making, whatever, whether it's teaching or where I live or, you know, what I'm going to do on the weekends, I'm just going to always do whatever makes me happy. And it can't be a bad decision if, if I'm still happy with it. Right, awesome. So, um, what's what's the best
0: book or article or magazine you've read, say, in the last six to twelve months?
1: Um, I read the Book Whisperer by Donalyn Miller um, last summer, and I honestly will probably reread it again this summer. It was just amazing and eye opening for me.
0: What What is that about? I've never heard of it.
1: Um, So it's kind of just going back about how it talks a lot about how. Kids today, they just don't read. I mean, once they get out of high school, the percentage of kids who pick up another book is just so low. So it kind of goes back and it looks at creating readers and how to create students to have a love of reading and letting them take read books that interest them and giving them the time to read in school and modeling what a good reader is and what they do and just about how we need to be enthusiastic about reading. And it's not, we're not using incentives to get our kids to read because then they're just. Only reading because they want to get the free pizza at the end of the month. We need to be just right. teaching kids that reading is the prize. Reading is the reward. So it's just just a whole different mindset after reading that about my students reading.
0: That's a good. That's a that's a good little quote there. Reading is the prize, and and I'm I'm definitely one of them. You know, I went to. I went to college and I was I have a history and social studies degree so there were classes, you know, and semesters where I was reading 10 to 15 books every semester that were like chosen for me. So I was, you know, I got done with college at 23. I was probably 26 when I started picking up books again just on my own. And I think it was because I had gotten so worn down from reading um, reading things that were not really of interest to me. So I think that's a, that's really good. You said it's the book whisperer. That's the name of it. Yes. And then she has
1: another, a sequel um, called um, reading in the wild, I believe. So those both have been awesome. And it kind of goes like, I look back at my own reading as well. And I remember I hated reading and I honestly look back and I think it was because of AR having to read a book and I had to prove that I read it by taking a test on it. Right. So, and just getting away from that type of stuff and just changing the mindset. It's, both of those are awesome books.
0: Right. All right. So, and this is, you know, this is intentionally a broad question, but what advice would you offer to a struggling teacher? And that could be, you know, a teacher struggling with anything. A, a good piece of advice for a teacher who's struggling.
1: Um, if a teacher is struggling, I just say, you know, be willing to ask for help. There's there's no such thing as like a perfect teacher. And I think with the social media stuff, people get so caught up in having the perfect classroom and the perfect lessons. And um, everyone's going to have their strengths and everyone's going to have areas you can improve on. So I would just say be willing to ask for help and then also be willing to take the criticism and take the ideas you're given and just kind of be, uh, be coachable. I mean, if someone's going to suggest something you should try, then be willing to change what you're currently doing if it's going to mean being a better teacher and giving your students a better educational experience.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great, um, yeah, and I can definitely say I, I understand that, too. There was, you know, when I first started teaching, there was a lot of times where I kind of shied away from criticism and didn't take it very well, and there were definitely things that I could have improved on if I was a little more humble, so I think that's, I think that's great advice. So a couple more questions before we get you out of here. What is your proudest accomplishment to date?
1: Um, I mean, this will probably just sound pretty generic, too, but honestly, I think just my proudest accomplishment will it'll probably always be becoming a teacher being uh, becoming a teacher. Um, you know, some days are tough and some days I go home and annoyed and frustrated, but honestly it's it's the greatest job in the world and I just I can't imagine doing anything else so right
0: right on. All right, so before we
1: get you out of here, ask you the
0: final question, for people that want to connect with you, follow you, um, you know, ask questions, catch
1: up with you, where's the best place for them to find you? Best place, just like how we connected, would definitely be Instagram.
0: Okay, and, and what is your Instagram handle? I, I want to make sure I don't screw it up.
1: So it's underscore, and then it's third grade swag.
0: And it's the number, right?
1: Uh, no, it's spelt out. Uh, I know, that,
0: that's why I screwed up. So underscore... <laughs> third grade swag. I want to make sure I got it, and I will make sure to put it in the notes for sure. So um, like I said, man, I really appreciate you taking some time with me tonight and and you know, sharing a little bit of your knowledge. And here's the last question we got for you. What do you want your legacy to be?
1: Um, I think I just want my legacy to, to be remembered as a teacher who made school fun. Uh, I just hope when my students are adults they can look back at their elementary days and remember actually wanting to go to school um, when they were in my class and although I hope that they have that feeling every year I just really hope they can look back and think man Mr. Nelson cared about us and he tried to make school fun and it was a, we had a good time in third grade
0: awesome man well Fletcher I appreciate your time and thank you so much for coming on the show
1: yeah thanks for having me